good to hear. Well, hey, welcome, everybody. Hey, my name is Jeff. I'm one of the pastors here, and um, I especially want to welcome our guests here today. I know we've got a lot of them here, and so thank you guys for coming today. Um, yeah, it's just a privilege for us to be able to worship together in this place. Hey, I want to just make uh, just a kind of a quick announcement to you. We had a special meeting this morning as a congregation. We gathered our membership together uh, because we've been in the midst of an initiative that we're calling, that we've called for the city these last three years. And this initiative has really been just uh, igniting this value in us that we want to live for this city. We want to be a church that is sharing the gospel well, that's leading people to find and follow Jesus Christ, but it also is meeting very practical needs. We were able to build this care center about a year ago, helps kids in the foster care system. And then the second thing that we've been really leaning toward and really reaching and, uh, you know, saving for and all these things is to launch a second campus. And so this morning, uh, we needed a quorum at this meeting, which on December 16th, it's kind of hard to get a 50% quorum, uh, but we did that. Uh, we needed 184 of our members to show up. We had 267 show up, so that was great in and of itself. Um, but then I wanted to tell you, we also needed 75% approval in order to purchase a piece of property that we've been looking at um, on uh, approximately 204th and Maple Street. And so I wanted to let you know this morning that that vote passed by 95% this morning. So we're super excited about that. Yeah, it's awesome. You know, it's, um, it's just a privilege to be a part of a church that we're looking at our city and we're saying, okay, Lord, you have been so good to us to, to allow us to know who you are and we want to continue to be a place where we are able to lead people to, to find and follow Jesus Christ, to teach the scriptures and to help people know that, that they can have life with God. And so anyway, it's a privilege. I want to thank our staff, our elders, and that's a, it was a big lift and uh, they did a fantastic job. So, so yeah, exciting stuff. Well, this morning, uh, we're going to continue on. This semester, we've been in the New Testament book of Luke, and early on in this series, right when we first started it, we skipped over some of the first chapters in the book of Luke because we knew we would go back to them here at, at now at Christmas time. And so this morning, we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture that's pretty familiar to probably quite a few of you. And that's kind of a warning, you know, when something's familiar. I told Christina last night, I said, it's really hard to teach the Bible around Christmas time because everybody knows what you're going to say, Right? You know, um, but so one of the things about this passage is while it might be familiar to you, my hope for you is this this morning. My hope is that you would walk away and you'd say, you know what, even though it's a familiar text, Lord, you've, you've ignited in me my all of who you are. You, maybe you've regalvanized you. You've created in me, Lord, this expectation again of, wow, just the, 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 the splendor and the majesty and the goodness of the fact that God would come so that I could know him. And so my, my prayer for you, if this is familiar to you today, is that God would just do a fresh work in you today, that you'd see it through fresh eyes. Or maybe for you this morning, you'd say, hey, it's not familiar at all. I am brand new to church. I'm brand new maybe to my spiritual journey. Um, first of all, I just want to say to you, welcome. Maybe you're even skeptical about Jesus or you're skeptical about the Bible. Um, I want to just say to you, many of us, can, we can relate to where you're at on your journey. And uh, you're welcome in this place. My hope for you this morning is this that you're able to walk out of here and you have a very clear understanding, you have a very clear kind of picture through the window of, hey, who is Jesus Christ and why is there so much hubbub around him? Why, is there, why, why do people celebrate him? Why are we here now, well over 2,000 years later, celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ? And so my hope for you this morning 
is that you would just be able to go, okay, now that makes sense. Now I understand while there are millions of people that gladly say, I want to live by the teachings of Jesus Christ. I want to submit to the leadership of Jesus Christ. I hope that becomes crystal clear to you this morning as to why Christians do that. So today I want to lead off with this. I want to lead you with two questions. The first one is this. If you were to get the best news ever, what would that be for you? Like if someone was to maybe give you a call or they were, you know, to write you a letter or whatever, send you an email, a text message, and it was what you would consider the best news ever, what would that be for you? What would the, the news that you would, man, if you could just hear that, oh, it would be such a great thing. What comes to mind? It probably based on maybe your age or your stage, stage of life, you might answer that question a little bit differently. If you're a teenager, you might answer it one way. But if you're a senior adult, you might answer it another way. Or if you're somewhere in between, you'd probably answer it another way. I asked my kids this week about that. I asked them that question. Got a variety of answers. But what would it be for you? What would your best news ever be? For the young guy that's maybe really wanting the date, maybe the best news ever for him would be this. She's willing to consider it. You know, that might be the best news ever. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's the couple that finds out we're having a baby. Now, I remember one Christmas Christina uh, had this little box for me. She's my wife. And, and I remember I opened it up and I found these three darts. Our last name's Dart. And, um, and I was like, oh, she wants me to, you know, start playing darts. I don't know, whatever. And so anyway, I looked at the darts, though, and I noticed on the first one it said August 29th. And I was a little slow to the draw, but I figured it out. Okay, that's the birthday of our oldest son. And then I looked at the next dart, and, and it said November 18th. Well, that's the birthday of our, our daughter, next child. And then the next dart said this question mark, August 20th, question mark. Again, it was early, but I was like, we're having a baby, another baby, right? That was the best news ever that year. If you're a military spouse or a military parent, you know this, the best news ever for you is hearing these words, these three words, I'm coming home. Great news, isn't it? Maybe, it's, maybe for the college or the graduate student, I was talking to a graduate student this week, the best news for you this time of year is this, you passed, you passed, you made it. Or it's the doctor that says this to you, the results look promising. You're going to make it through this. That's incredible news to you. Or maybe it's your boss delivers maybe this time of year to you, hey, you got the job, you got the promotion. Or you sense maybe God saying to you, hey, your child is going to be okay. You're going to make it through this. What is it for you? What would be the best news that you could receive? And then the second question is this, what would you do when you found out? What would you do with that news? How, how would you respond? Would you just maybe dance for joy? Maybe you're a little more reserved. And you, maybe you wouldn't do that, but maybe you'd pick up the phone. Maybe you'd shed a tear of joy and say, wow. Maybe you'd give thanks to God. Maybe you'd walk down the hall and just say to your coworkers, you'll never believe it. I got the news. This morning what we're going to see is this. We're going to see one of the earliest responses to the birth of Jesus Christ. We're going to see up and close and personal how Jesus is going to be revealed to a group of people that are very unlikely, at least that we would think that he would reveal himself to. And we're going to see how did they respond to the best news ever. And what I love about this story is that the reason why they responded the, the way that they did, that same reality is in arm's reach for you and I. And it can impact us. It can impact our hearts. It can impact our own responses. And so what maybe is familiar, we stand back this morning and we say, no, 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 Lord, I'm in awe of that again, because I realize what that means for me. So we're going to go to our text now. It's Luke chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 1. And one of the things that we do, if you're newer to Brookside, just from time to time, we don't always do it because we don't want it to be a routine, 
But from time to time, we'll stand up as we read God's word just as a way of showing our respect for it. So would you stand with me now and we'll read the text for this morning. It's kind of like if somebody, you know, you had a, a guest come into your home that you respected, you'd stand up from the table. So let's, let's, uh, let's read the text. This is Luke chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 1. It says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree and the census that a census should be taken for the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of, of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house of, and the line of David. He was there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a, in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in their fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. And the angel said to them, though, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a, a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great uh, company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to all those on whom his favor rests. When the angels left them and had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the, lying in the manger. And when they had seen them, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Mary treasured all these things up, and she pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned then, glorifying and praising God for all of the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Pray with me. Lord, we just come to you this morning now. And we just, Lord, invite you to speak to us. We thank you, Lord, for a story Lord, that changed history. It wasn't just a story. It was an event that changed history, and it's a story that can change the human heart. And so, Lord, this morning, regardless of where we're at, maybe you're here this morning and you're in an incredible time of joy. Maybe you're here today and you're experiencing a really big challenge in your life. It's a harder season for you. Lord, I thank you that you know where we are and that you speak to us. And so, Lord, we pray that you would touch our hearts and our lives today. Lord, impact us, we pray. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. All right, let's dive into this. Verse 1. In those days, it says, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken for the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And then it says, and everyone went to their own town to register. Now, the name. Caesar Augustus, does it ring any bells? Do you remember that from high school history? He's a ruler at this point in history, but he's not just a ruler of just a small clan. Caesar Augustus was the ruler of the entire Roman world. History has it that he came to power, not by the conventional way, but by clawing his way to the top, defeating Antony and Cleopatra. Remember those names? But Caesar Augustus, know this, this context is important. He wasn't just a political leader. He was seen as, and, and he was even esteemed as a Greek god. He was the first Caesar to not only get the title Caesar, but Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus. Augustus simply means this, holy, or the one that should be revered. Now know this, into that kind of a leadership structure, into that kind of, of a society, now comes the birth 
of Jesus Christ. Now, it didn't come. Jesus didn't come clawing his way to the top. Jesus didn't come saying, hey, bow down to me. I'm the king. No, not at all. In humility, in obscurity, now Jesus comes onto the scene into that kind of a culture. Yet think about this. This contrast is important. Think about now, who though are we celebrating now 2,000 plus years later? Caesar Augustus? No. Now, I like my Caesar salad. Don't get me wrong. But that's a different Caesar. We're talking about Jesus Christ. We're talking about millions and millions of people all across the planet that are worshiping Jesus Christ this morning. The one that came in a completely different way. Don't miss that in this context. Verse 4. Into the scene comes the, the unknown village carpenter and his expectant teenage bride. And like the rest of the people, they were being forced to register. So they were needing to go to Rome. And the reason why they had to, to, to do this, the reason why they had to go register was because Rome was wanting to get a tally. How many people are there? Because when they knew how many people there were, then they knew how much they could tax. And once they knew how much they could tax, then they knew how they could push their agenda forward and pad their own pockets. It was a corrupt system. That's the kind of leadership. That's what, it was, that's what the climate was like on the political front. So Joseph also, verse 4, went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Verse 8, here's the group then that we're going to focus on this morning. And there were shepherds living out in their fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now know this, the job of a shepherd was to do this, keep it watch over the flock, keep the flock safe. Because just like there are today, if you got a bunch of sheep, you might have some wolves around too. And so that shepherd's job, as boring as that must have been, was simply to keep the sheep safe, just to keep watch. Now the scene turns. Imagine if you're out in the middle of nowhere. I tried to imagine this on the way even in this morning. Imagine you're out in the middle of the nowhere. It's, it's completely dark, pitch black, maybe a little bit of, of the light from the moon. But then this happens. It says, verse 8, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord. Now, we can't fully understand what the glory of the Lord would have been like to, to have been in that presence. We can't fully get our arms or our minds around that. But we do know this. I mean, try to imagine this. This is the majesty and the greatness and the creator of the universe's glory. You, wouldn't, you and I would have gone, whoa. I mean, it would have done something to us. Try to imagine that, being on the hillside. What would you do if an angel of the Lord appeared to you? This is the divine meeting humanity. And my guess is this. If the divine came right in front of you or I, we would be very aware in that moment of our own perfections, and it would terrify us. We saw this just weeks ago when we looked at, at Luke chapter 1. We saw that the angel of the Lord appeared to this guy named Zechariah. And we know this, he too was terrified. It would have been common for them to think, okay, if the divine showed up to me, that actually might mean divine judgment is about to come on my life. Not good news. And so it would have brought terror to them, a sense of awe, well beyond respect. And so it says this, that the glory of the Lord, what did it do? It shone around them and it terrified them. Notice that their first response wasn't this, these shepherds. Their first response wasn't, hey, angels, 
Thanks for stopping by. Real casual, you know? I got a few questions for God. Let's talk about the end times. Or what about those dinosaurs? Everybody always talks about that. Where'd they go, you know? And how about my Uncle Sam? He's kind of a sketchy guy. You've seen him up there, you know? Where it turned out with him? There was nothing casual about this. They were terrified. They were terrified. The divine is meeting humanity. We see the same response in Matthew chapter 8. The disciples are out with Jesus. They're on a boat. A big storm comes up. And all of a sudden in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus is asleep at the stern of the boat. And the disciples wake him up. Jesus stands up. He looks at the storm. He calms the storm with his voice, with his words. And then it says this, after the storm was calmed. So the river's now, it's, it's glassy again. It's nice. After that happened, it says this, they were terrified. And they said, who is this? Who is this? When people encountered the divine, it drove them to a place of terror. Oh, the holiness, the power, the glory of God, it elicits a response in us, and that's why it can't become familiar to us. That's why this isn't about a baby that's cute in the manger and everything that, that you know, the entrappings of Christmas. It's not bad, but we cannot miss the, what should this do to us? It should talk, take us to a place where it, it blows our mind. Take us to a place of awe. Verse 10. But the angel of the Lord said to them, this is such good news, do not be afraid. You're terrified? Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Notice it says, good news that will bring great joy for a select few of religious people who are very good at faking it and appear to have it all together. No. It doesn't say that. It says, I bring you good news that will bring great joy for all people. And what I love about this text is you can't miss who the angels are appearing to because it speaks volumes as to the why behind Je what Je why Jesus came. Every time I read this, this not-so-subtle detail in the story, it amazes me. Everybody, these angels appeared to the shepherds. You talk about a statement in this beautiful, redemptive story about how God rescued humanity. He appears to the angels. It's a huge statement. It says to you and it says to me that no one is out of the reach of the goodness and the grace of God. Now, you might say to me this morning, yeah, Jeff, though, if you only knew my story. And I would say to you, there is no one in this room, there is no one in your world that is out of the grace and the goodness of Jesus Christ. And he made a big statement there by showing up to these shepherds. These shepherds, they were not the group that if you were going to celebrate the inauguration of the king, you wouldn't tap on the shoulder the shepherds to come to the party. It doesn't make any sense. But Jesus was making such a statement. These shepherds, they weren't clean-cut men. They were viewed as underclass. Not just underclass. They were, they were viewed actually as the lowest class in Jewish society. They were uneducated, unsophisticated, disrespected by pretty much everyone. They were coarse men and boys. They lived with sheep. They rarely showered, and they had poor social skills. How's that for slamming on the shepherds? But it was true. Even in a court of law, their testimony meant nothing. It was invalid. That's how they were viewed. If you were a shepherd and you were an adult, you were looked at as a complete failure because being a shepherd was a job just for boys. It was something that you hopefully grew out of. Yet by God's choice... Who did he tap on the shoulder to reveal himself to? Shepherds. It's like a neon sign. 
saying, God saying to us from the get-go, I step into your messes. I'm not afraid of the mess that you're in. You know, sometimes you can feel like maybe you have it all together, maybe your family's different until you actually get together for Christmas. You ever had that happen? And then you just remember, oh, I just forgot how dysfunctional we were. It's just been 12 months, right? But know this. I mean, take hope in this. That's who Jesus came for. Jesus came for the lonely, the broken, the outcast, the sinner, the prideful. Jesus came for the self-shaming, for the depressed. He came for the successful. He came for the hurting. He came for the, the rich. He came for the poor. The angel of the Lord, verse 10, says, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Meaning this, that there is no one in this room that is too far from the grace of God, and there is no one in your world that's too far from the goodness of him. That's the simplicity of the gospel. And though it's simple, it's also mind-blowing, because on the one hand, you and I, we were desperately far from God, yet in the goodness of God, Jesus Christ was sent and he was sent as a son to be born as a baby, but he was sent as a son who would grow up to die. That's why the baby came. The baby came to die so that you and I could experience a life that we could never experience apart from him. That's the grace of God. That's why people worship Jesus. You can't miss it. If you read through the New Testament, you will see it over and over again. Jesus Christ came for the unhealthy. Jesus Christ said, hey, I didn't come for the sick. I came for those that need a doctor. Jesus Christ said, hey, I, I didn't come for the found. I came for the lost. Verse 11. It's angel now. Look at this. Today in the town of David. And you got to pause there for a second because that word today is a big deal. Because for these people, they've been waiting for God to speak to them. Even these shepherds would have known this. There's been 400 years of silence from the last book in the Old Testament since the time we get to Luke chapter 1, when uh, uh, that, that period of 400 years has been silent. There, no prophets have been speaking any words from God. And so these shepherds even, they would have known, hey, we know that there's going to be a Messiah. We've heard about him. That's our Old Testament. It all points to this Messiah is going to be coming. They would have known that, but they didn't know when he was coming. And his silence would have been deafening to them. Have you ever had this question, God, where are you? God, don't you see what I'm going through? God, where are you? God, don't you hear me? Have you ever asked God any of those questions? These shepherds surely would have been asking questions like that. They knew that redemption was coming. But things have been so silent. It says today in the town of David, and this is a big statement, a savior, a rescuer. That's a summarizing title. A savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He's the one who will save and redeem. He is the Lord. I shared this story this morning in, in our meeting and because it's such a cool it's a story of redemption. Yeah, this is what it means when God gets a hold of a life. So this was a couple weeks ago. This was on December 2nd and we were having communion that morning, and so this guy gives me this note between services. It says this. He said, fun fact, December 2nd, 1984, he said, was a communion Sunday also. Pastor Steve said something about the, the, uh, to the effect, if you're not right with, with God through Jesus Christ, uh, if, sorry, if you are right with God through Jesus Christ, please take communion with us. If not, please pass on it. And then he says this, we had been enrolled in membership class, and I had heard that Jesus died for me, not just a group of religious churchgoers. 
When he said, if you're right, I knew I wasn't. But when the tray reached the fourth row in the Woodhaven Center, I was. He said, I took the elements, and communion for us is it's a, we, we break bread and we drink juice because it's a reminder for us of the, the, the Christ's body was broken and his blood was shed. And so he says this, I took the elements, and it was, it was as though a physical weight was being removed from my shoulders in that moment. And he says, praise God, that's redemption. That's when you realize, okay, I've been carrying around the weight of my own sin throughout my life, and I don't need to carry that anymore. That's what redemption is. That's what a Savior does. And only the perfection of Jesus Christ could do that for us before a holy God. Only through Jesus Christ. You know, I, I, in my past, I always thought that if you were... If you were just a good person, you could earn your way to God. And so my hope was this, that one day I, when I would die, that the scales hopefully would be evened out and I would be okay and I would get this free ticket to heaven. That's not in the Bible. That's not the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel is this. I'm a desperate sinner in need of a Savior. And I deserve the wrath of God because of my sin. But because God was so good to me and so good to you, he was willing to send Jesus Christ who would grow up as a baby. He would grow up to be a perfect man. He would live a sinless life. Then he would die a death that none of us could die as the, as the creator of the universe. None of us could do that. And then he would prove that he was God by rising from the dead. That's the gospel. And this angel is saying, hey, unto you, this child is coming. Verse 12, this will be a sign to you. You're going to find a baby wrapped in cloths, and lying in a manger, verse 13, suddenly, imagine this, again, everybody try to get your mind into this story so it becomes fresh to you again, it says suddenly, as if it wasn't dramatic enough with one angel, it says a great company of the heavenly host, aka a whole bunch of angels are now on the scene, imagine it, this would have been amazing, it appeared, they appeared to the angels praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Imagine that. Verse 15. Look at their response. What do they do with the best news ever? How do you respond? How do I respond? It says, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, it says, the shepherds said to one another, let's go. Kind of like, we're not going to sit on this. We, no, no, we got to move. Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's just see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off. I mean, think about this. I mean, they must have said, so long, sheep. Good luck from the wolves, man. You know, stay together, play dead. We don't know, but we're out. I mean, imagine that. And they went, they left. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they had seen them, look at what they did. Look at their response. They spread the word. It's like they couldn't help it. You ever been impressed, so impressed by something that you couldn't help share it with somebody else on a much less important uh, 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 level? I remember the month that we got exposed to Mama's Pizza, this little restaurant. <laughs> Changed our lives. Amen. Amen. It's right. We were there. I was there Friday night picking up some pizza, saw some Brooksiders. They were like, yeah, we come here every Friday night. I said, well, we'll be seeing you. We finance this place pretty much every week. I mean, we know. We know the owner's Jeff. We know Monica, the waitress. I mean, we're, we're, we're family, you know? And we talk to people about this place all the time. You know why? Because we like it. We're proud of their service. We like how they run their, their whole thing, right? We talk about it. These shepherds can't keep it quiet. It's that important to them. 
They knew there would be a Messiah who would come, and now he's come. And it is so much more than a baby in a manger. It should cause us as Christians to stand back and say, I can't believe God would come in the form of a man. I can't believe it. It should wreck our souls in a good way. Look what they did. Let's keep going. When they saw him, they spread the word about him concerning uh, what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it, they, they were equally amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But then Mary, she treasured all of these things and she pondered them in her heart. We're going to talk about that next weekend. Their response was though the shepherds was one of pursuit. The angel leaves. They say, let's go. Let's cancel our plans. We've got to go. He's the Messiah. He's captured them. Their hearts have been gripped. Changes them. Redirect their plans. They leave their livelihood. Verse 20. It says, after them they've seen Jesus. And I love this because I think this is their Monday. You have a Monday. You are going back to work or school tomorrow, likely. You have a Monday. Look at how it changed them for Monday. And the shepherds returned. So now they're back to their gig. They returned, but they're changed. They're glorifying and they're praising God for all of the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Who Jesus was, it amazed them. There was something that they had seen while they had been with the divine, the promised one. You know, I admire this group. I admire this group. They're rough. They're tough. They're, they're canceling their plans. They're taking off in pursuit of the Messiah. I've never met anybody who has regretted pursuing God. Never. I've never met anybody who's regretted pursuing God. In our small group the other night, one of, one of the guys spoke up and he said this. He said, you have to fight to pursue God. And he said, you know, there are things that can get in your way. Your family can get in your way, your job, your recreation. He said, you got to fight to pursue God. And the reason why he said it was because he's tasted the things of God and he knows they're that good. And he knew as he said it that they're worth the fight. That's why he chose that word. You've got to fight to pursue God. So this Christmas, I just want to pose the question to you. In light of the fact that Jesus Christ came for all people, and no matter what your story is, you are not too far from the goodness of God. In light of who Jesus Christ is, how do you respond? How do you respond to him? How do you respond to the story of redemption? How do you respond to the coming of the Savior? I want to be the type that I'm... I'm quick to cancel my plans. I want to be the type that I want to reorient more of my life around the things of God because he's that good. I want to be the type that my awe is inspired, that I go back to the point maybe when I first came to know Christ and I'm just blown away that I'm forgiven and that when I see Christmas come in the manger and all that stuff, it's not just cute, it's life-changing. I go, that changed my soul. It's like that weight's been lifted. I don't have to carry this anymore. How do you respond? Or maybe for you this morning, it's not so much, Lord, would you refresh that in my heart? Maybe for you this morning, it's all new. Maybe it's all new. And you would say this, I mean, I'm a spiritual journey. I'm just hearing the truths about Jesus Christ. The one thing I want you to hear this morning is this. It's a gift from God. It's a gift from God. And so you can't earn it. That's not how gifts work. You just get to open it. You just get to receive it. You can't earn it. That's the beauty of it. That's why we call it the good news. Because that's why we say it's the best news ever. 
because it's the one thing that can change your life for all of eternity that you don't earn. Instead, you just say, Lord, I believe. I might not have all my questions answered, but I believe you are who you said you are, and then you prove that you are who you said you are because you rose from the grave. Nobody else, nobody else does that. And so, Lord, I put my faith in you. That's how you receive it. Maybe for you this morning, you fall into the category, though, where you'd say, you know what? I have received it, but it's just clouded by the demands of my life right now. And uh, there's just a lot going on, and so I'm not all inspired by that. But I want to be. Christina, my wife, she wrote this email to some gals in this Bible study group that uh, she's with, and um, I thought her words were so helpful. So I, I, I want to read this to you, especially if you find yourself kind of in that, that group where you're kind of clouded by the demands of everything going on right now. So she writes this to them, these gals. She says, hey, even as the snow melts, uh, Christmas and Christmas is just around the corner. My kids keep asking me, how many more days until Christmas, which I avoid answering because I currently have three presents purchased total two of which are for our oldest. We have three kids. Today, though, she says, today is the day. How is it that Christmas always seems to sneak up on me? During this year's buildup toward Christmas, I have tried to be a bit more intentional. Uh, not with certain parts, obviously, but I am thinking more often about Jesus' birth as we look forward to celebrating it. The thing is, though, I am used, I am used to so many of the parts of Christmas. How did you, maybe you feel this way. The lights, the songs, the trees. I have to choose wonder. I have to try to see these days with fresh eyes. I know that this is weird, but sometimes I think, how would I explain this to a person who had never experienced Christmas in America before? What would I point out? What would be spectacular to them? What am I used to that they would be amazed at? It helps me pay better attention to not only what makes this day special, but to Jesus Christ and that God sending his son to the earth is a miracle that changed everything. Yesterday at work, someone gave me a Christmas card with the familiar words on it. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those on whom his favor rests. She writes, I'll be honest, most years I would have glanced at those words and would have filed them in the heard it a thousand times box. But these past few weeks, that word favor has been a notice for me. And when I read it yesterday, it arrested my heart. And in the notice of favor in random verses in the Bible, how had I not remembered that one, especially in the midst of Christmas? I felt like I was reading it for the first time to see in a new way the beauty of the love of God towards me, towards people, his favor, his delight resting on me, his goodness bringing peace, a peace with God, with others with ourselves that we desperately need and in the moments in our, of our sanity, we desperately want. These pictures of reality for me, thoughts of favor, of peace, imagining a ton of angels, a multitude, proclaiming over a field of shepherds and sheep, I want it to turn my heart to praise. I want to join those angels and say, glory to God in the highest. Jesus is our peace. God's goodness towards us is boundless. I want to know the one whose favor rests on me. I want to see him and his goodness towards me. I may not be ready for this part of Christmas, but I want my heart to be ready to worship as the season can be a means to orient my heart in fresh ways toward the coming of the king. I read that and I said, you should write my sermons. That's really good. But I love what she said. She said, I want my heart to worship. 
I want to leave you with this promise. It's from James chapter 4, verse 8. It says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Church, Christmas was the biggest example of James chapter 4, verse 8, because Jesus Christ coming in the form of a baby was God drawing near to us. And I love this promise because the promise simply says this. If you'll take a step towards your creator, if you'll take a step towards God, what will he do? He will not shun you. He will not give you the hand. No, if you draw near to God, it's a promise. He will draw near to you. And so maybe for you this morning, you'd say you're 400 steps away from God. Maybe you just take 100 steps closer. Or maybe for you this morning, you'd say, Lord, I'm close to you, but my heart's not just captivated by who you are. You can draw near to God and say, Lord, captivate me this morning. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for these shepherds. I thank you for their response. I thank you that they were just blown away that the Messiah had finally come. And Lord, this morning, we just want to say to you, Lord, would you awe us? Lord, would you inspire our faith? Lord, would we not look at Christmas as just a nice little season that's tidy and it's got family and the whole thing and all that's good, but Lord, would we be captivated by the the neon sign that Christmas is to us that you came, you dwelled among us so that we could know you, not just for eternity, but right here, right now, intimate relationship, life to the full. Lord, we thank you for that. And Lord, I pray for the person, maybe this is you this morning, that you would say this, hey, I, I'm hearing about Jesus for the first time. And I, this morning, maybe you would say this, I want to take a step towards him. I want to say to him, I believe you are who you said you are. I believe you are the son of God. I believe you did die a death that I couldn't die so that I could live a life that I could never live apart from your grace and your goodness to me. I believe that I can be forgiven and I can be cleansed by you. If that's you this morning, you can simply cry out to Jesus Christ right now and just say these two simple words. I believe. I believe. And that weight of sin that maybe you carry, you don't need to carry that anymore. You can release that to your heavenly Father who loves you dearly. Lord, we love you. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. And Lord, we worship you now with joy. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.